0: Our scripture reading today is from Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 6. Mark chapter 1 from verse 14 to verse 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news as jesus walked beside the sea of galilee he saw simon and his brother andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen come follow me jesus said and i will send you out to fish for people at once they left their nets and followed him when he had gone a little farther he saw james son of zebedee and john his brother In a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 9 to 10. Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you again, Lillian.
1: Most people seem to think that there are some things in our world that need to be changed. Are you among them? Do you think so? And I think... If we're really honest, even for those of us who attend here at Lake Avenue Church, there are some things in our lives that need to be changed. Do you think that too? I can hardly believe how many uh, books and and articles and YouTube videos are out there that tell us how we can change things in our lives and in in our our world. most of them I think rightly say it's not gonna work if you just blame everything else you know, around you in the world for all the problems. That victim's mentality doesn't seem to change anything. But it seems that most of these experts who make these videos and write these books seem to think that if we just kind of take responsibility and go harder at it and never give up, that we can make everything change for the better. And I wonder about that. In fact, there are so many of these that I decided I would just take one of them. It's a much longer one, but we boiled it down to one minute. One of them to show to you, to see if it will inspire you today. I think it might, so we'll watch it, and I'll come back.
2: You want to take responsibility for your life. I got me here. I can get me out of this, and I'm getting out. I'm not going to be a volunteer victim. And so all you're looking for are new breakthroughs through practice and practice and practice. You'll get better and better and better and there's still some things that will happen to you that will catch you on the blind side that you did not anticipate. You'll get knocked down but you won't be knocked out. And so I say to you, it's possible you can live your dream if it's becoming a diamond, if it's having more, if it's achieving more, if it's being a better father, being a better mother, whatever it is, overcoming addiction, changing our society, it's possible you can live your dream. It's necessary that you have a plan of action, that you're resilient, that you stick to, and you work with the system, that you work with people, that you give support, and that you be there for them, that you have the vision and never give up, that you become creative and relentless and keep on coming back again and again and again and that it's you that you got to take personal responsibility to make it happen and that it's hard easy is not an option and when life knocked you down jump back up and say, it's not over until I win Whoa. <laughs> you look
1: inspired to me we're gonna take responsibility we're gonna practice and practice and practice until we win and not give up it sounds so good doesn't it uh, let me just tell you it's not going to work but i'm sorry to disillusion you I mean, at least not in the long run i'm not saying that it won't have some benefits in the short run and certainly that's better than just withdrawing and doing nothing but i'm saying in the long run this is not the way we're going to change things and i'll try to tell you why it's because somehow in this world this imperfect world we hit a brick wall either we run out of money or we work hard and we don't look like any of those physical specimens <laughs> that are up there. I've tried. Um, or, Or else our health fails or we get injured or the boss's son gets the promotion that we wanted or there's that little thing called death that seems to come as well. Or maybe we are actually able to achieve that thing we really want to get and think that's what it's all about. But once we get it, it doesn't seem to be as great as we thought it was going to be. It's where, you know, the the quote I've used so often from Tom Brady, the New England Patriots quarterback, after he'd won his third Super Bowl and he just married a supermodel. Uh, So he was being interviewed on 60 Minutes by Steve Croft and he said this, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what is. I reached my goal, my, my dream, my life. I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Or especially when you see that that video, which I kind of wish I could preach like that, but you watch that video, and it says you can do it. You can do it yourself, you can change things yourself. And let's face it, the problem is often us. We, we even try to change. We find it hard to change our eating habits, right? We even find it hard to change our, our, our exercise patterns. So I feel like sometimes we human beings are a lot like a, a rubber band. We can stretch things out here just a little bit, but the moment we take our eyes off of it, it snaps right back to where it was. It's like Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, uh, human nature changes not much faster than the geological formations of the earth. And you can ask the Caltech props that isn't all that fast. Well, today we're going to be seeing that since from the very moment he launched his ministry, he came out of battling some of the evil that needed to be changed in this world, battling with Satan. Jesus came and declared that he had come into this world to change things. He declared, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, the time has come. THE KINGDOM OF GOD IS AT HAND. REPENT AND BELIEVE THE GOOD NEWS. NOW, now this, THIS MESSAGE OF THE KINGDOM OF GOD, DO YOU KNOW THIS WAS THE CENTRAL MESSAGE OF THE LIFE OF JESUS? I MEAN, HE TAUGHT ABOUT IT. HE PROCLAIMED IT. HE TOLD STORIES ABOUT IT. AND WHEN HE PRAYED, HE TAUGHT US TO PRAY, OUR FATHER IN HEAVEN, YOUR KINGDOM COME. YOUR WILL BE DONE on earth as it is in heaven. So what, what does it mean, I mean, practically, to pray like that? So today, just for the few moments that we have, we're gonna think about the two main phrases there, your kingdom come and your will be done. Uh, we'll start with kingdom. Uh, we talk a lot about kingdom in a church like ours, don't we? Even though we don't have any kings here in the United States. So, but, but people who show up at a church like ours, if you're just visiting me today, you'll hear us here at Lake Avenue Church talk about things like uh, kingdom activities. One of our core values is kingdom community. Uh, sometimes Pastor Scott, our global outreach pastor, will talk about kingdom ministries. I mean, in short, this word kingdom is one of the most commonly used words in all of our vocabulary right here at Lake Avenue Church. Yet, one of the things I worried about talking about this message today is this. I thought if somebody's visiting, and I thought they talk about kingdom all the time, that whole sermon was about kingdom, what what are they talking about? And as they walked out, somebody chose, they were going to have a survey. And as they walked out, they're going to ask all of you, uh, what what on earth do you mean when you talk about kingdom? I've I've been a little bit afraid that maybe many of us would be hard pressed to come up with a, a definition. What do you think? Well, uh, let me give give it a shot, let me give it a shot. I I think the most important thing that I can say to you about the kingdom of God is that the basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is this word rain. You know, I've called this series Praying for Rain, and and I'm not talking about the kind that fell yesterday. Rain, R-E-I-G-N. It means that something will control over The basic meaning is something that has rule over something else. Uh, Kingdom of God, rule over what? Well, maybe just the things he's made, maybe that. (laughs) So I've written this for you. The kingdom of God means that God is in the midst of a process to take full control of all things that are his. And of course, that includes everything in creation. Jesus said that he came to inaugurate God's full reign over all things, and to make everything the way it's supposed to be. And that includes you and me. In other words, when you look at this, what Jesus is saying that he wants to do is almost the opposite of Jack Welch, you know, the former uh, General Electric CEO, who always had these comments about, control your own destiny, or someone else will. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying you need somebody else to control your destiny. And that someone else is God himself. So here it is, when Jesus taught your kingdom come, this teaching came at the intersection of two main lines of things that are happening in the Bible. Let me explain it. The first one is what, uh, if we have any English or lit teachers here, it's what's called a descending plot or an I-shaped plot. You know, it starts well, starts high and it just goes down. And that's sort of the story of the human race from the very beginning. It started really well with us in Genesis 1, made in his image. Kept going well in Genesis chapter 2. They're there in the Garden of Eden, which really is the place that kind of shows us what it looks like when God is reigning, when the kingdom of God is there. Uh, the, The Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, is sort of a microcosm of the kingdom of God. Everything was right, relationships especially. Adam and Eve, the married couple, they got along. They didn't blame one another. There was, there was no shame. They got along with the rest of creation. They really cared for it in the way that God cares for his creation instead of ruining it and destroying it. And, um, and the main thing was God was there at the center of everything. I mean, God was ruling. But almost immediately... Genesis 3, this stubborn self-will, and you might mark that down, self-kingdom, of these first two human beings, Adam and Eve, just popped up. Uh, It says they wanted to be like God. They didn't want to be in his image anymore. They wanted wanted not the kingdom of God. They wanted the kingdom of Adam and Eve. So they only had this one moral rule, and they, they broke it, and it messed everything up. Uh, they had to leave paradise. Uh, and what happened was, sadly, all of the generations that followed didn't learn from them at all. Just We kept doing this over and over again. This matter of self-rule, self-determination. I want to do what is best for me. Generation after generation after generation of this happening had absolutely demonstrated individuals in the world and the systems of this world, this collective selfish sin that goes on. And th- th- this continued on and on again until, even though there's so much beauty in our world, and in, uh, really in all of our lives, because we are made in God's image, and this is God's creation. All of these years of people leaving God out has left our world messed up. So I, when I said, most people seem to think things need to change, do you agree? And we all agree, yes. Read the newspaper and we'll see it. And when Jesus came into this world, he saw that other kingdoms were grabbing hold of people, promising so much, But as he said in John 10, stealing and killing and destroyed. Because it seems to me that if we leave God out, then we try to find our lives somewhere. And those things let us down. And there's other kingdoms promise a lot but don't deliver. So that's that first line in the Bible. Are you with me here? Starts well with God at the center, leaving him out. Left it when Jesus came. There's a whole lot of evil and misery in the world. It's not been cleaned up yet. But when Jesus came, that's when the second line enters in. That that Jesus came actually to bring the kingdom of God into this world that that was filled with other kingdoms. So essentially it plays out like this. All human beings, because we've been created in God's image, we want to live well. There are very few, unless you are really, really messed up, who get up in the morning and say, I hope I'm going to live a messed up, addicted, rotten life today. We we want to live well. We want to have peace. We want to have joy uh, in, in our lives. And where do we find it? People go for it wherever they think they can find it. We have the advertisement saying, buy this, do this. You'll be able to find it. They buy it and do it, and it's not there. And Jesus says, I've come in to bring a different kind of a kingdom, something that will actually deliver what it promises. I have come so that you might actually have God in your life. Jesus lived the life that we're supposed to live, but we haven't. And then he died in our place, the death we deserve, but we don't have to. And then defeated all the other kingdoms, showed himself to be greater than sin and death itself through his resurrection. And he promises that all of us who place our faith in him will actually have God come into our lives, and he will begin to change even people like you and me. There's hope for us. Hallelujah. So saying all of that we come here and we still know we're not perfect right this this kingdom of god in us is a process and it's something that takes time to grow and jesus would tell stories about this he says it's like a seed uh a seed this plant, and sometimes it, you almost don't even see it. It's there in the ground. And then sometimes it seems to be really small. It's just a little plant that's growing. But when it grows and it's, it's finished, it is going to be absolutely beautiful. It just doesn't come as fast as we want it to come. Can I have a witness about that? When you have some problem in your life, don't you say, do it now. Do it now, even as our song. We, we want it right now, and God says, I'll do it, and I'm doing it. You've got to trust me, but it's going to be in my time. When he is done, it's going to be beautiful. When I, when I think about how pa- impatient we become about God finishing his work, I, I think we're not the first ones. John the Baptist himself. You know, John was the one who, when he saw Jesus, he said, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. He's the one who's come to take away the sin of, of the world. And yet, when he was slapped in prison, <laughs> I'm thinking, surely, is this the way it's supposed to be when the kingdom of God is here? He sent some of his messengers to Jesus and said, are you really the one, or is somebody else going to come? And what what Jesus said in Luke chapter seven is so insightful for us. He sent people back and he said, go back and, and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind are receiving sight, the lame are walking, those who have leprosy are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing. The dead are being raised, and good news is being proclaimed to the poor. That was just happening in one small part of the world at that time. We already know that the message has reached all the way here to San Gabriel, California, right, to our valley. And so when we look at this, we say it hasn't been done, but it is going to come. And John, not the same John, John the apostle and the prophet was actually given a vision of what the kingdom of God is going to look like when it is absolutely complete. And I love it, you know I love it. It's at the very end of the Bible, and I'll show you one little part of it just so that you can know what's ahead of us. John, uh, Revelation 21, three to five. When God is done, when the kingdom of God is here and in all of its, its fullness, God himself will be with his people. He will be their God. And when that happens, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death OR MOURNING, OR CRYING, OR PAIN, FOR THIS OLD ORDER OF THINGS. THAT FIRST LINE I TALKED ABOUT, THIS OLD ORDER OF THINGS, HAS PASSED AWAY. HE WHO IS SEATED ON THE THRONE, HIS KINGDOM SAID, I AM MAKING EVERYTHING NEW. DON'T YOU LONG FOR THAT TO HAPPEN? IT'S WITH THAT IN MIND THAT JESUS TOLD US THAT WHEN WE PRAY, We are to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. How does that affect the way you and I pray? I think every time there is something that hits us that's painful, something that we see that is wrong, it draws us back to him and to say, Lord, we need to see more of your kingdom at work. It makes it so that when you see your son or daughter walking away from God, becoming addicted, to heroin or, or to cutting or, or to gambling. You're going to agonize. Say, this isn't what I hoped for, Lord, for my child. And deep down, you're going to be praying, Lord, Lord, your kingdom come. When, it, when the shoe's on the other foot and that's your dad who's walked out on your mom, you hurt and you groan and you say, life isn't supposed to be this way. Lord, this isn't the way a family and a marriage is supposed to be what you're going to do is cry out and pray, Lord, can't you break in now? Lord, your kingdom come. Uh, When when you've gotten the diagnosis, terminal cancer, and you just feel that you have so much more to live for, and what's happening just doesn't seem fair, and, and you're screaming, and inside what you're really doing is praying, Father in heaven, This cannot be all that is. This cannot be the end of things. There has to be something beyond death. Lord, may your kingdom come. I'll tell you when in the midst of all the controversies out here, political discussions, you discover right when you come to church that that your friend is undocumented and has learned that tomorrow, she may be sent away from her lifelong home. What happens? Don't don't you inside say, this isn't right? Whatever else you think, you say, this isn't right? And you begin to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come. May may the time come when people always know that wherever they are, they can belong. I, I mean, anytime there is an injustice, that can't be tolerated on one side, but somehow it doesn't seem like we can eradicate it either. <laughs> like children being shot in their schools. When that happens, we gather together and we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Even. Even those of you who don't even know how to pray, something inside of you is, is praying that someone somewhere <laughs> is gonna break in and make these things different. Uh, pastor Helmut Thielicke, have you ever heard of him? He was a pastor back in, after World War II. He was preaching in Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, he preached a series of messages to his people just like I'm doing to you, uh, taking phrase by phrase in the Lord's Prayer. It took him only six or seven weeks of preaching, but he had to preach in like four different places because bombs raining down from the allied forces were coming and destroying his church. By the time he got to this one, the third week for us of Lent, his sanctuary had been utterly bombed out, and it was just rubble that was there. He had to meet in a small chapel. And when he went there, he said to his people, "Uh, you should, no matter what is happening, continue to pray. Thy kingdom come. Uh, Pastor a knew what Scripture teaches, and he believed it too, that God was at work. And when God was at work, there would be a day when there's no more pain and no more bombs, no more war and no more death. And this is what he preached. In this world filled with death, in this empire of ruins and shell-torn fields, Lord, we pray, thy kingdom come we pray it more fervently than ever. I'll tell you, don't you think it takes genuine faith to pray like that? (laughs) I mean, you've gotta really believe that God is going to bring things to completion, right? And and, and the world out there is gonna tell us, oh, you're pie in the sky, Christians. You pray about what something's going to happen in the future. No, we don't just pray about that. We pray that God can use us to make a change now. But at the same time, we learn to, to wait. And this is our ongoing heart's cry and prayer. Jesus told us to pray with that kind of faith. So I, I tell you, brothers and sisters, coming to Lake Avenue today, is there anything happening in your life or around your life that when you look at that, you just say, that's wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus, in his prayer, is teaching you to pray, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. And I'll tell you, when you pray that, the very next sentence you've got to pray is, your will be done. (laughs) Lord, your will be done in me and through me to make your difference in this world. So let's think about that. May your will be done. Do you know what that phrase just means if you just translated it literally? It means, May your will happen, Lord. May your will happen, Lord. It's it's the kind of thing that Jesus prayed for when he was just before he was going to the cross. He was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, uh, just about to face, as Carol helped us to see so clearly today, he, uh, he was knowing he was going to face the physical agony of a crucifixion and whatever weight that is of bearing the sins of the world upon himself. And do you remember what he was praying? Lord, Father, if it is possible, take this cup of death from me. But do you remember what the rest of his prayer is? Nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. Through those eyes that Jesus had, he somehow knew that the will of his Father that would be accomplished through his death on the cross was even greater than being rescued from that pain that he would face. He, he somehow knew that the only opportunity that people like you and I will ever have of having salvation was for him to go ahead and submit to the will of the Father and die in our place. We are told for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Uh, And so when you pray like this, what what you need to pray is, Lord, this is what I'm asking you for. And I'll tell you, sometimes you'll see he steps in and does it. Sometimes we'll say, do it, Lord, do it now, like we say. Uh, And he says, no, I've got something more to do. And we pray, Lord, may your will happen in me. Do what you will. Through me, I pray, Lord, and in this world. All week I've been trying to think about um, what this looks like praying like this in our world. And my only thought was, it looks a whole lot like what Lillian, Lily, what you preached for, uh, what you read to us from God's word. Mark chapter one, verses 14 to 20. Did you, do you remember it? It's that story of these four fishermen who are out there on the Sea of Galilee one day doing what they'd always done, just fishing. I'm guessing it's what their parents had done. I'm guessing it's what their grandfathers had done before them. So, so what was directing their lives? What, what was the kingdom directing their lives? Well, it might have just been family tradition. It's what we do. It might have just been habit. You know, it's what I do every day. What else am I going to do? It might be the cultural expectations, what the community expected them to do. Get back here and bring those fish in. So I, I, as I envision that day that's in Mark chapter 1, it was a day like every other day. They had shown up doing what they always do. When this man shows up on the shore and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. Lo and behold, they do it. (laughs) They, They repent, which means to turn around from what you usually do, to put something else at the center of your life and believe. And then he told them practically what that meant for them. They had to follow him wherever he called them to go. And amazingly, they do that too. Their lives begin to be changed. And this one little phrase, i tried to think about this in the Jewish community here from back then. What he says is, without delay, they left their father in the fishing boat with the hired hands and followed Jesus. Can you imagine that? They'd always been with their father Without delay, they left him there in the boat. (laughs) In other words, whatever it had been that had directed their lives before, whatever kingdom had been there, now Jesus was the one who was the Lord. They were going to go wherever he called them to go. They were going to do whatever he called them to do, and and their lives were never the same. No, No, it doesn't mean that they never fished again. So sometimes when you follow Jesus, you go back to your occupations, you go back to your home. We know that they did fish again. But the, but the focus of the decision make, uh, that they would make from this point on was very different. Jesus was going to be the Lord of their lives. The kingdom of God had broken into your life. Do you see that? So I've been thinking, that was 2,000 years ago, right? WHAT MIGHT IT LOOK LIKE IN OUR DAY? SO THE STORY THAT CAME TO MY MIND IS THIS. SEVERAL YEARS AGO, I USED TO PLAY TENNIS EVERY THURSDAY MORNING WITH A YOUNG ENGINEER. I'LL HAVE TO CONFESS THIS, TOO. THE ONLY REASON WHY HE'D SHOWN UP AT CHURCH WAS THAT THE GIRL THAT HE WAS DATING SAID, IF YOU DON'T GO TO CHURCH WITH ME, I WON'T GO OUT WITH YOU ANYMORE. SO THERE HE WAS. HOW DO YOU LIKE preach ANYBODY LIKE? NO, YOU DON'T HAVE TO. YOU DON'T HAVE TO TELL ME. Uh, SO, BUT HE HEARD ME IN THE SERMON, TALK ABOUT THE FACT THAT I LIKE TO PLAY TENNIS, AND SO HE CAME UP AND SAID, YOU WANT TO PLAY TENNIS? SO EVERY THURSDAY MORNING AT 6 A.M., WE'D GET UP AND WE WOULD PLAY, AND WE'D OFTEN TALK MORE THAN WE WOULD PLAY, AND uh, he, HE KEPT WANTING TO THINK ABOUT, WHAT IS THIS LIFE OF FAITH IN JESUS REALLY LIKE, WHERE HE DIRECTS MY LIFE INSTEAD OF ME MAKING MY OWN DECISIONS? AND ALL THESE THORNY, DIFFICULT QUESTIONS. HIS QUESTIONS WERE FAR BETTER THAN MY ANSWERS, UNTIL FINALLY ONE DAY AFTER SO MANY MONTHS OF THIS, SOMETIMES I DIDN'T EVEN WANT TO GO ANYMORE, BUT AFTER SO MANY MONTHS OF THIS, HE CAME UP TO ME AND HE SAID, PASTOR Gray, BEFORE WE PLAY, I'VE GOT TO TELL YOU SOMETHING. I'M IN. I BELIEVE IN JESUS. I placed my faith in Him, and, and and that was that was wonderful, um, but he was still an engineer. I. We got a lot of you here, so I knew I was gonna to speak to engineers. And he we kept trying to figure out how this new life of faith following Jesus actually changed his day-to-day life. And finally, after many more months, he had another breakthrough. Actually, I had just preached the previous Sunday from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, where the apostle Paul would say, now that I've found out that Jesus had to die for me, and I can't do it myself, he had to die for me to have any hope, now, Following him, I can no longer live for myself. I must live for him who died and rose again. Do you see the difference? I will no longer live for myself, kingdom of Paul. I will live for the one who died and rose again, the kingdom of God. And, and, and uh, so I just preached that. And he came in and said, okay, this is starting to make a difference in my life. So before I gave my life to Jesus... I would get, I'd get up in the morning, and I would pray, Lord, um, what do I want to No, I wouldn't do that. I would just ask myself, what do I want to do today? Or what do I have to do today? Now that I've met Jesus, I get up every morning, and my first prayer is, my life is yours. What would you have me to do today? He said, do you think I'm on the right track? What would you answer him? What I told him is something like this, John, what you're doing is exactly what Jesus taught us to do when he taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, including in your life as it is in heaven. said, John, keep praying that and you will not go far wrong. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is the way it is when we truly follow Jesus. It's happened to so many of us. I want you to think about the first time you met him. It, your day starts uh, in just a usual way, you know, making decisions like everybody else makes them. What, on what basis? How can I make more money, right? How can I be more successful in school or at athletics? And then, blam, it suddenly hits you. God knows me. God is real. And this message of Jesus is true. You believe, you you turn around, repent from the life that you were living, and you follow Jesus. You, You enter into a relationship with God, and you learn to pray. What you learn to pray is this. Father in heaven, I've been wanting to control my own life without you. Lord, may your kingdom come into my life. Father in heaven, the prayer of my life has always been, my will be done. No more, Father, no more. Here on earth, in my life, may your will be done. I know this sounds like an evangelistic message, and if you've never prayed that way, it's time for you to begin now. It's really where life begins. God breaks into your life, begins to give hope in the face of the, the worst kinds of things, but brothers and sisters, it's for us. Isn't this the way we should live our lives? Isn't this the way that when we pray, this is what we're going to pray? My life is no longer my own. I've been bought with the price, the blood of our precious Lord Jesus. I'm going to follow you, Lord, wherever you would have me to go, whatever you would have me to do. That is the call of God from this part of his word. So right now, whether it is for you the first time or as I look around for some of you, the 10,000th time, I want us all together to do what Jesus taught us to do when he taught us to pray. Will you stand with me? And we're just going to pray this one part of what he taught us to pray. But in light of his call, pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that will be to your joy and to his glory. Amen. 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 Let me.